Hello, and welcome to this week's Big Thoughts from a Small Speck. My name's Chloe, my pronouns are still up for discussion, and this week's episode we'll be having a look at societal story in a continuation of a series looking at story and how it impacts us as humans and how humanity impacts it. So yeah, let's get right into it. It's at quarter past 11 on a Monday night. I have work at 9am. Let's get to it, lads. So yeah, societal story. Yeah, this is going to be a hot episode for some people. Uh, might get a bit of hate, cheeky bit of hate on the internet. But you know what? I'm a big girl, I can handle it. Um, Yeah, let's get into it. Societal story, for me at least, um, takes the, takes the shape of the stories we tell ourselves as a nation, the values we uphold, um, the holidays we celebrate, the things we remember, the ways we present ourselves to other nations. So I can speak as a British person on this um, and as a Scottish person more independently from that and as someone who's lived in England for the past 10 years. Um, What can I say? I've lived about. I've uh, immigrated. I'm an immigrant, but not in the form that some would view. Yeah, um, basically, is in the UK, a lot of our story is that we're an old nation and we have our royal family and the Commonwealth and kind of that it's a shame that we lost our empire. Empire is still taught in history lessons in the UK. Um, there's some focus on Roman Britain. Um, it's just a big colonizer vibe. You got the Romans, you got the later British Empire. Yeah, it's just a bunch of colonizers uh, all looking at each other and going, huh, good job you did there, pal. Shame it went away. Which isn't ideal, honestly, because uh, we need to step back and let people have their own thing. The British really ruined a lot for a lot of people. And I'm really sorry about that. Um, If it had been up to me, we wouldn't have done it. But you know what? It wasn't, because I wasn't born yet. Um, Yeah, the British are kind of just shit people. As a collective, we're not too bad. As a collective, we're not too bad. As individual nations, that's where it gets a bit rocky. The English, obviously not great. Massively good at oppressing people, Windrush generation, uh, here, come work for us and then we'll oppress you, you know, you know how it goes, we're English, I'm not, fuck that, but yeah, currently Brexit is still hanging over us and I think it will be for the rest of my life because that sure did happen, I don't know where we stand now and Covid has not helped anything, (sighs) but yeah. So the whole reason why Brexit went through is because of this story we tell ourselves about how we as a nation are, honestly, it's how we as a nation are white. And a lot of you, a lot of England were like, nah, not white enough anymore. And that's really shit because as as a member of the EU, we had freedom of movement, we had good trading, all of the things you need to survive. And we really went and said, fuck that, because people with different accents kept moving in. (sighs) I really hate English people sometimes. They're just 
not good. And yes, there is a lot of people like them in other nations, but obviously I'm just speaking from my own experience as somebody who has lived in England for the past 10 years and now subsequently sounds like this, which is confused and confusing. Um, I'm not American or Canadian, by the way. Just to clarify that, 11 episodes in, I'm Scottish with a weird accent. But yeah, we as the as British, more specifically the English, very much view the world as our playground. Um, but we don't like it when the world views us as a possible part of the playground. We're like, mm, no, we're allowed on all of your parts. We're allowed to go steal some marbles and damage them in the British Museum and take some things that aren't ours. But uh, the fuck you think you're doing trying to get in? You're not allowed to look at them. You can visit, I guess, maybe, if you want. Maybe. But we'll insult you whilst you're here. And have really shit food. Yeah, British food is terrible. Haggis, neeps and tatties. That's Scottish. And it's the neeps and tatties are okay. The haggis, not so much. If anyone doesn't know what haggis is, um, it's a sheep's stomach stuffed with all the parts of the sheep and then boiled. It doesn't get a cheeky fry, doesn't get a roast, it gets boiled because the Scottish are sad. That's the Scots story. We're just a bit sad. We drink a lot, we fight a lot, we eat boiled sheep's stomach. It's also cold. That's the Scottish existence kind of summed up. But we're not there yet. We're still on the English and their racist, racist ways. You can kind of tell a racist English person, and I don't know if this is the same for the rest of the world. I have a feeling it might be for America. But you can tell if you're in a very white, right-leaning part of the country when there's a lot of English flags about. Not British flags. English flags. The cross. St. Andrews? No. St. George's Cross. The red and white cross, and it'll be hanging from a window, sideways. It'll be hanging portrait, not landscape, the way it should be. That's how you can tell they're racist, because they can't get their hanging right. But though the flag will be there, and you generally, you'll see it in the summer. Somebody will be sitting in their front garden or gardening, and it'll be a white man with a very red sunburn. And his wife will be sat there, and they'll be drinking alcohol because it's the UK, and alcohol is a daily thing. We like poisoning ourselves because it's cold on this island and slowly heating up and we figure we might as well just get it over with quicker rather than let the elements take us because we don't handle that well. And yeah, you'll know they're racist because of the flag and you'll know to steer away from that house because you want nothing to do with it. The Euros, when they were happening, very risky because obviously some people had flags out because England were playing, but... Then England lost, which I'm kind of grateful about because I hate English football fans um, because I believe one of the statistics was that when England are playing, um, abuse goes up by, um, domestic abuse goes up by 27%, but when they, when they, it's either when they win or when they lose, it goes up 33%. So yeah, um, English men don't really know how to handle their emotions and they put football on a pedestal and yeah it's just a bit of a bit of a nightmare I hate I also hate football fans in the UK because we don't really know how to handle it uh, it's just very violent there was a riot in Ireland over the Euros which was uh, 
Yeah. There were riots in the north of England. Yeah, it was a time. Um, I was working in a pub at that point, and uh, yeah, my presence was not needed at any point. But yeah, so England, our story is very much, we're the greatest nation, we'll take all your stuff, how dare you ask for it back, Uh, we're we're better than you, go back to where you came from, Um, it's cold, it's wet, we fought in world wars. We've got Remembrance Day, which is fine, and it's meant it's apparently meant to be there for all wars ever, but it's really just for World War One with a bit of World War Two. And honestly, it's kind of tiring every November to have to remember violence and death and not yes, yes, those men who fought and died. It's important to remember the sacrifice, but they shouldn't have had to make it in the first place. And it really frustrates me how we glorify glorify war and violence and death to this point where every year we have a whole day, we have a minute of silence. My secondary school, we'd put on like a 10 minute thing where we'd have some people play the, the something sound, I don't know what it was, somebody will know. Um, and somebody would read a poem on Flanders Field. And then we just go back to class after having the minute silence. And honestly, we don't do that for anything else. We don't do that for the bombings that happened in the tube in 2005, was it? I think it was 2005. We don't hold anything for them. And that was a much more recent disaster. It might not have taken as many lives, but it is much more recent and much more recently painful. And yet we don't do anything for it. It's very rarely spoken about. Yeah. It's just, it's just a bit, bit much. Scotland, our uh, national story is not much better. Um, for me, being Scottish means that I am violent and an alcoholic and not as racist as the English. Um, we, we're, we're a bit better now. But yeah, it's a very violent nation. In the same year... Um, we were voted, Glasgow was voted one of the, one of the, or if not the most violent city in the world. Um, but it was also voted the friendliest city in the world the same year. Glasgow is just a very nice city and it has a lot of history. And honestly, I don't know a lot of Scottish history because it wasn't really taught in primary school until right before I left which is such a shame because I would have loved to learn about Scottish history. Obviously, I know about William Wallace. I fell down the hill leading up to his monument. Might still have the scar, uncertain. I know about Robert the Bruce and the spider in the cave. Um, and why the Scot- why our national flower is the thistle? It's because um, an Englishman stepped on it and yelled and he let let the Scots know. So we were able to defend ourselves from the English. Uh, I think that says how much our... Uh, national hatred for the Englishes that we made our national flower based off of the story of us defeating them. Yeah, national story is just a really fascinating thing to me because it really affects our interactions with each other and other cultures and how the British the British culture is to queue and to be polite and to drink tea and to love the Queen, when in reality, um, actually I do like queuing, it's quite soothing. I don't hate it when I have to queue. It's, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't mind it. And I do drink tea, but not 
I drink herbal tea because I'm extra and I'm, I don't know, in touch with my spiritual side? I don't know. Um, I drink herbal tea because the other kind tastes like shit. It has to have at least 10 sugars in it for me to like it. Yeah. Um, and I do hate the queen. Your majesty, if you're listening to this, which you won't be, um, I don't hate you. I hate what you stand for. I hate that the taxpayer's money goes into maintaining their house and their lifestyle. And yes, they're a tourist attraction. They bring money to the UK. But honest to God, the money that we spend on them and their four castles and their weddings and everything just to bring in tourist tourism money it just doesn't seem ethical when we could be using that money to fund social programs and we could be turning buckingham palace into purely it's a lived it's a residence people the queen lives in it when we could be turning it half into a tourist attraction and half into sheltered housing for homeless people or for people who are getting out of abusive relationships and when we could just do so much good with what we've got and we've got to give back the elgin marbles because they're not ours i've seen them now they're good they can have them back because i've seen them so that's it that's fine but seriously our history as britons is very much not based on anything that is solely ours i mean the british english is one of the hardest languages to learn it's a fucking nightmare of a language I'm so glad I learned it as a child because otherwise, hoo boy, I'd be struggling now. I've seen this analogy elsewhere, but English is essentially three, like a gazillion languages stacked on top of each other wearing a trench coat. It's just, an, it's just grammar rules make no sense. I mean, it's not even a pretty language. It's, I like it because it's of the ability to create new words and i'm sure other languages do this but it feels like because our grammar rules are so bendable and optional they're not optional but they are that we can do so much with it and have it yeah i don't know it's just a really cool language but it's also a fucking nightmare and definitely should not be the number one language i think we should go for a tonal language like um, like an Asian language, like Korean or Mandarin or Cantonese or Japanese. That'd be really cool. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to learn um, to do the, it's not an alphabet, it's a, like the kanji or the han. I don't know. I honestly don't know much about these languages and I'm afraid I might butcher them. So, but yeah, I think that every nation I mean, obviously, I don't want to speak for others because um, that would be a very white colonial colonial thing for me to do. But it does seem like British, the the UK in particular, needs to change its national story. And honestly, I think America does too. But that's not really for me to speak on as somebody whose main source of information about America comes from either Desperate Housewives or um, last week tonight with John Oliver. I would literally die for John Oliver. He is Britain's greatest national treasure and the one the fewest people know about. Yeah, I think we as Britons need to stop being so mild-mannered and afraid of hurting or insulting others when we know that something is wrong. And we need to stop going with the status quo. And Mary Beard needs to get her shit together get rid of uh 
George Osborne is the head of the British Museum board and send the fucking Elgin marbles back. Mary Beard, what are you doing, babes? It's just embarrassing at this point. But yeah, um, I would like to go more into this subject at a later date, but right now, honestly, I think this is enough of a little teaser, a little 20-minute teaser for y'all. Probably less than 20 minutes, but oh well. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Big Thoughts from a Small's Beck. My name's Chloe. My pronouns are still up in the air, and I hope you have a lovely week. Until next time. I was going to say ta but that's a nerd-cubed thing, and it feels like I'd be stealing from him. Oh well. Goodbye.